Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of the 35mm Podcast. Your forever host for this show is me, Tracy Newport, and Matt Thomas. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm good. Tonight, we are bringing you a wonderful film that of my choosing, and it is the Zack Snyder movie 300 from 2006. A little details before we get started. It was released on December 9th, 2006. The director is Zack Snyder. It's got a couple of names we know nowadays, primarily uh, Gerard Butler as the main lead in Leonidas, David Winham as Delios, Lena Headey as Quinn Gorgo. And then there's a couple of people who I was surprised to see show up in it, just to kind of skip some of the more supporting roles. Michael Fossmender, I think this is probably one of his earlier roles. I don't it's his first. This is his yeah. actual first ever role? Yeah, it's his fat first theatrical role. Yeah. Wow. Because he did... X-Men First Class was a far after this movie. Yeah, it was. That was like yeah, early. It was. it was like 2011 when that came out. So about four years. Yeah, so it was nice to see him in here. I think it was the big surprise in here. And interesting enough, I started watching a TV show on Netflix that had David Winham in it. And mm-hmm. I watched it the same time I watched this. And I was like, oh. That's who that is. I knew he was just familiar. What do you think about Zack Snyder? So Zack Snyder, I'm for the most part, I haven't seen a Zack Snyder movie I haven't disliked or I've disliked that I've disliked in a sense. I'm oh, so you've never seen Sucker Punch? No, I saw Sucker Punch. I enjoy that movie. <laughs> so it's so looking at his, I've never seen Dawn of the Dead. Oh, really? That's actually probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie. I mean, you have Dawn of the Dead, which I think that hit cult status in it. Yeah. And, and then 300. And then you have Watchmen, which came after that, which I think is a good just boom, boom, one, two, three hit. I mean, I did at the time. I have to, I watch it every now and then. But, and then, of course, you know, all of that gave him the, the license to DC. Yep. Which I think Man of Steel is better now than when it first came out. I, man, I, I can't. His, his Justice League is infinitely better than josh whedon's which fuck josh whedon but at the same time it's no it's four hours yeah (laughs) did you not what about his army of the dead he released i haven't seen it oh because a lot of his a lot of his movies have a big pacing problem as i'll talk about with 300 and you see this kind of like with other other movies of his which is funny i feel like oddly enough for me, watching Justice League, I don't think it had a pacing problem. I really, like, I was na- glued to my seat for the full four hours of that movie. But that's a oh, four-hour-long fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, when you have four hours, like, like going, like, I know we're going on a tangent about Justice League, but that was originally supposed to be two movies. It was? I thought it was just originally supposed to be one, but it's like... No, when they first announced the slate of movies, like, Wonder Woman, all this, we're going to be doing all these. And I think like one of them was like Green Lantern Corps that they never, they just dropped. Well, they saw the, how well Avengers and Age of Ultron, then they're like, we got to get the justice we got now. And they didn't realize that Marvel is still putting out like movie number 28, 29 coming out in July or whatever that number is. Oh, they have a seat right now as we're recording, they're doing Miss Marvel what there's another she-hulk comes out in three months then they have the movie 
Yeah. And it's just they've got a lot of time and effort was put into Marvel before because you have Man of Steel, then you have Batman v Superman, then Justice League. And it's like, uh, what? So anyways, like... Uh, yeah. Back to the main back, course here. You want to give some background on 300? So the interesting enough for me with 300, I think is I didn't realize this was a movie based off a graphic novel until recently. Oh, okay. And like, and it's even here... Uh, our mutual friend when he would talk about this movie he's like I think they based because he did not know it was based off a graphic novel but he was like I think they based the characters like the Persian army and like the immortals and stuff off of kind of like the the mythos of the stories from the Greeks and like kind of gave it much more characterized them instead of like a true like one-to-one how they would have actually looked and kind of just took them as like a mythos and storytelling and kind of gave them that since there instead of it being like what was drawn in the graphic novel you can obviously see like once you know that it's based off a graphic novel you can see the influence of the graphic novel like the stylization like with the blood stuff like that yeah once yeah definitely once i saw it and then i was like yep i see the graphic novel now once i know because this is the first time i've seen it since i'm learning that information like and apparently this is similar to how he did Watchmen and where he has to pretty much he used the graphic novel itself as the storyboard for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, in uh, pitching the idea, actually, uh, according to IMDb, and I think there's an extra on the DVD, if, like they took the graphic novel and made it like uh, almost like a flash cartoon, turned it into like a flash cartoon yeah, and showed like, hey, we can do this. Give us money. Yeah, and this was at the time whenever, because they did the very similar production style as Sin City did, where you have really just the actors working in front of a green screen, which I think now has become much more commonplace. And it's also not as stark telling them now separately Mm -hmm. or seeing the difference between what's the green screen, what's not. And here you can kind of very easily kind of see it in the way that it's shot and the way kind of like the images are superimposed on top of each other. It's not quite as crisp as it is now, but you can definitely tell it's shot in the same style as Sin City to where most are overheads and CGI and actor costs and not really set cost. Yeah, and in, in some of the scenes, and I'll, I'll talk about it when we like get to it, but like there's some ADR issues. Do you know what ADR is, Tracy? Uh, no, and explain it to the audience just in case they're All right. plebs like me. So it's ADR is automated dialogue replacement. Essentially what they're doing is after they make a movie, like sometimes like it doesn't pick up all the sound. So they'll have like the actor or somebody go back through and deliver their lines. Uh, There used to be a viral video a long time ago when Logan came out of Hugh Jackman going back through his lines during the movie. And it was, Pretty interesting, but here they didn't really do any ADR um, because you can kind of hear them sound like they're in a box. Huh. Like you, you can hear it in certain scenes. Like yeah, like they're clearly on a sound stage, and they could have probably just re-recorded it to remove that part. One thing, like you were talking about, like how like some people like you thought it was based like just a based off the history. Um, yeah. With 
Man 300 was a, it alludes to a, what, which war was it? The Battle of Thermopylae from the Persian War, which that's the, like if I've, I've, it's been forever since I had took ancient history, but it was something like war, like three or four between the Greeks and the Persians. And this is actually, this war specifically, which you see in the sequel following up here, you see like the conclusion to the war. And that's what opens the doors for Macedonian to rise with Alexander the Great because it weakens Athena, Athens and Sparta too much for them to actually fight against the Macedonians. But yes, yeah, the Battle of Thermopylae, like you see some historical retellings or like kind of creative tellings of this, like the Warriors was supposed to be based loosely off of that. Like the director wanted to tell that story in a modern day setting whenever or dystopian setting whenever he did that movie it's a very common theme within i think just any set of art and storytelling yeah and you know if this was a biographical piece you know there would be a lot of historical inaccuracies but like you said this is a historical fictional piece it's based off the graphic novel and there are a lot of people like like historians going off about this movie when it came out. I don't know if you read that. Like the oh, Wikipedia yeah. has a whole section on just the historical inaccuracies. It's like, come on now, it's it's based off a Frank Miller mo- novel. Well, to to give it to give the historians some credit in their anger towards that is that I don't think anywhere in the marketing for this movie was it told as an adaptation for a graphic novel, nor is it said anything like that. I think, except for like the it loose, like a smaller snippet at the end credits of the movie. No, uh, actually, I think you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. Did you watch the trailer? If I did, it's been since 06, 07, since I've seen it. Actually, probably not, because I was in basic at the time this came out, oh. like in the months leading up to this. So probably no, I never saw the trailer. Wait, what? This came out, in, like... 07. No, it came out in 08. Didn't it? February 4th, uh, March 9th, 2007. Okay. I came yeah, off from basic like a week later. That was before, right before. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, in the trailer, it says inspired by graphic novelist Frank Miller. Like the first thing it says. So maybe they're trying to get in front of it, but I think they don't do nothing in the movie to dissuade that this isn't being that. Which I, great. I agree with that when uh, what I'm about to say here. What? Um, like first off, like there, there's a fucking goat playing a damn song, like it's Max Rebo in the beginning. No, in the orgy scene. Yeah, I mean, you, I figured it's a fucking goat playing a song. Like, come on. Well, I mean, or just a lot of that. There's the Oracle of Delphi, and those are uh, wonderful dudes up there. And but to me, it comes across like it'd be like if someone came out and start, started talking about how historically inaccurate and glorious bastards or the last duel was yeah which should be known but i think that they should have in the open i'm trying to remember is there opening title card in this movie where it gives the actors and it's pretty much there's no credits if that's what you're asking yeah that's pretty much goes logos and then 300 movie 
And so, yeah. And so I don't think there's nothing there at the beginning to do that. And if there's anything posted, like face off the graphic novel by Frank Miller, that's in the in credits, which I think they might have done based off the graphic novel 300 by Frank Miller, like should have done that in the opening title on the opening credits. And then uh, I think they would have avoided half the issues. So a lot of contemporary reviews also criticized it for being homophobic. Did you get that in this watching this this time? No, 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 no. If anything, this thing's like I've got some uh, man lust issues I haven't fully resolved yet. Yeah. In which I, I hearing them using the the now the thing the only quote I can remember really them saying in the movie where they were maybe portraying as homophobic was the, the boy lover aspect of it, but. In Athens and like in Greek society, that did happen where boys were molested by men. Like it was a very commonly known issue. Oh, and wasn't and Spartans like actually kind of Spartans? They, I mean, you have a bunch of well muscular dudes living on ships for extended period of times by themselves. So in this movie, there was a lot of. And all the men are dressed like wrestlers in leather tights and a bed sheet. So, yeah, like, I mean, but hold up, and they don't quite fully show. Like, if you hear, like, looking at the historical accounts for this, like, her, I think it's Herodotus who's telling the story behind it, but like, leading up to the battle, they're literally Arnold Schwarzenegger pumping iron. In. That's what they're doing leading up to the battle. They're working out, they're combing their hair, they want to be pretty for battle. Like, this is they were very much manly sex appeal, like, up front. Well, it's Delios that tells the story, right? Delios is the narrator, and which yeah. that also, I have a question about your thoughts on him at the after the movie as like an overall discussion point. Okay. Did you like before we get into the movie though? Uh-huh. One more thing. Uh, did you see like? Did you read about the marketing they did for this? No. So they did a did a. Man, they did some stellar marketing. I mean, it made a shit ton of money, but if they had done some different marketing, they might have done better. This is the time of movie tie-in games. I don't think they really do those as much anymore. I haven't seen a direct movie to video game tie-in like we saw with like Aladdin and Return of the Jedi when we were growing up on SNES. But I know the studio that does the Total War games did release a Spartan Warrior game a couple years leading up to this movie. for this but game, it's not directly tied to it. So they did make a 300 video game on PlayStation Portable. And I'm like, what, really? Like, the, I mean, they the picked one the system horrible. that a lot of people didn't have at the time? Yeah, they picked a horrible game console to play it on. Yeah. And then another thing, like back, at, and this was also back whenever UFC fighters could get a lot of sponsorships and they had big posters. And Chuck Liddell was sponsored by them. Huh. to promote the movie um and then they did nhl spots oh wow which, but i'm like that was pretty much the extent and i'm like there was a whole bunch of stuff you could have done there so this has reminded me of <clears throat> did you remember when this movie first came out and then on facebook and everything those fucking ads for the the 300 workout to get insanely ripped that was everywhere after this movie came out. Yeah, because I mean, well, they did some insane 
fucking workouts just to prepare for this these roles. I mean, they got to because that's a body built by some uh, lean workout and some steroids. Nah, like they had it like boot camp for all these people, and I thought part of it was like first I thought part of it like was fake. No, like they're all body built by studio company x like they brought they brought in like one like a highly renowned trainer and had him like put him to put them all through the ringers well you know what i would sign up for that camp i could get a body like that not me i'd do it i'm not gonna sacrifice no you mean to say for three months if you went there for three months came out looking like that you wouldn't do it if you didn't have to worry about money if i didn't have to worry about money then yeah maybe yeah, if it's your job to work out that hard, would you? Hmm? If it's your workout, if it's your job to work out that hard, would you? Yes. Oh yeah, if it was my job, but it's not. So I guess let's actually jump into the beginning of the movie, and of course, it was almost wonderful for me because this is about the time you start seeing that legendary logo start showing up everywhere, and that for me, I think, has become almost synonymous with the films I enjoy particularly because of a lot of the movies I like somehow managed being synonymous being legendary movies. Well, they did bat the Batman's the Dark Knight series. Yeah, I think they've done Clash of the Titans. Ooh, Jonah Hex. Which that was an alright movie. I enjoyed the soundtrack. Go Mastodon. Uh, uh the you know Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans, the Hangover series. Is it uh, the, the newest part. Godzilla series tied into them as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the first. Yeah, they are. They did the first uh, two Jurassic Worlds. Yeah, I can't remember if they were on Dominion or not. They've kind of slowed down in recent years. Like this year, they're only doing two. Like so far, two movies. Last year, they did uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and they also did Dune. So yeah, two really good movies from last year. I don't care who you are. Godzilla vs. Kong was a fantastic movie. Well, they fin- it took like three movies, but they finally gave us what everybody wanted. Kong versus Godzilla. Just no, it's like two mo- like monsters beating the fuck out of each other. I know you get you get you get a rubber match in that thing up the three. Different, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you get up there and you the movie opens up with a legendary. You as we talked about, you get the title card with three hundred, and then it goes into and you automatically get the narrator. Delios talking about being born as a Spartan and what it means to be Spartan, the childhood they grow up from being checked and like anti Lion King in the sense is what I would call it, where the put up where it shows and put up and it's like, huh, you have a deformity, just tossing the baby off the cliff, which that comes back later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the at seven year old, you're released in the wild and he. And this specific child that's shown is eventually revealed to be King Leonidas to where he killed a, t- a panther in the mountains as a seven-year-old, which mm, that's a that's a, a big leap, I think, in my opinion. Uh, and one thing, like, when they drag him to send him to his little initiation phase and his mom's fighting, I'm like, this is Spartan culture. Why is she fighting? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. And of course, you know, like he even says, like, only Spartan women give birth to real men. 
that this is all Spartan culture. Like Spartan women are better than most Greek men. I think it's even that's a direct quote from the movie at some point. Um, man, but it is here that uh, I'll just say it: the CGI doesn't hold up. It doesn't, especially you get that. A perfect example, I think you could say, say as a comparison to nowadays in it, is the Thor, Hela, and Valkyrie shot mm-hmm. from uh, Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. that you see posted everywhere, that big-ass shot of her killing all the Valkyries. And it's pretty much a similar technique and how they filmed most of this movie, and you can just see how much of a distinct difference that that is now. Yeah, um, and like some of the sound choices, like, the wolf dying sound yeah like what the fuck did it sound like the wolf had been dipping into the auto-tune yeah it was like people gonna kick a dog and auto-tune it that's how we got our wolf but i mean i will give this movie credit they do have some very nice like visuals like if you pause a certain part of the movie it was fucking beautiful so zach snyder i think you know you have film directors that are really good at doing one thing and I think he used to do this to go through all of Zack Snyder's films. He's really good at the cinematography part of it, of getting that shot, just making it look good, if like in the terms of how it shows across the screen. Like a perfect example, I think, comes to mind in this is you have the the Wonder Woman scene in the bank and his Justice League to where you where she stops the bullets. Like most of them were just not have done it that way, but he chose a certain style of how she blocked all the shots was like was a really i think interesting choice to make and it worked out really well and i think he does that, that's shown a lot in this movie i mean sucker punch say what you will about the story and just how convoluted and uh, messy that thing can be it's still a beautiful movie i think and one thing directly comes to mind when watching this one is i think it's also part of that late mid to late 2000s just sepia brown blue like color palette wash that just went over everything like an underworld you've got it here you've got it in watchmen all Zack snyder's movies have some form of this mm-hmm. that i think it almost ages it a little bit and kind of distracts from the way it looks because i mean in this movie there's almost a constant kind of like brown overtone running through rabbit except whenever they're right. actually in sparta and it's a very Bright blue overtone. Yeah. Well, it's more like sepia. I'm good, bad about camera direct. There you go. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, whenever that's sepia tone. And there's a lot of, like, I see that. Yeah. And, but like you said, then come to find out, this is all Delios telling the other Spartans, which this is where I discovered this is fucking Faramir. Faramir. Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> um, I, I will say he has a very good voice for voiceover. He in is. In his sense. Like, he this is. is a, that adds a very certain a bit of gravitas to the story he's telling and the way he's telling it. Um, and they, you know, that's called back to later in the movie. The sound choices, I think, at this point, they kind of made me hearing it. I was like, not the duel of fates? Question mark quotation marks i was like the entire soundtrack sounds like they took episode one i wonder how we can do this but not do it where we get sued so this is where i'm like "Mm, this is when i remembered like i've only seen this movie one time and this is one reason why 
is that the narration is a bit too much, in my opinion. I think they could have just, like, I think it would have been maybe better if they didn't introduce him as the narrator because just wait until the final scene to do yeah, that. If they would have had him narrating it, I think without that first scene with his eye patch over his eye, I think it might have added a bit to it because then you would have gotten a it would have ended with it being like much more of like, oh, he's death. He's telling a soldier to a story to these people. Yeah. And, but I mean, this whole movie is based on his perspective. Correct. And which I guess I'll go ahead and ask you now, watching this movie after, I'll ask it at the end because it's cumulative, okay. cumulative of it. But, and, and, but, and it's also here that the, the, the gravitas of the music, oh, Jesus Christ, like it just picks up. Like, it does, and this, it's very, uh, I think specifically like Gates of Hell is the composer or composer group that does a lot of this style music of fighting at the gates with swords and bucklers and shields at kind of like this like a fantasy ex- world sound to it. Hell, I half expected him to say for, for Frodo and then start running. Like, he might have done that in filming, and they just edited out, cut too excited. Yeah. And and of course, like this is when I see the second problem with the mo- that I'll talk about more, and that's the slow mo, the slow motion. Jesus Christ, that is overused in this movie quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> so much. I mean, you cut the, if you cut the slow mo, you cut the you cut the, the narration, movie. you cut something like. The movie's only an hour at that point, though. If you got the song, I was gonna say forty-five minutes, but then you add more about ac- more action. Yeah, I don't think this should have been a two-hour movie to begin with. I mean, it came in not including credits. It's like an hour and thirty-five. I mean, it's not a uh, super. It's long an hour and fifty. I was giving like ten minutes for credits. I thought like, it was an hour forty-five. Uh, well, the total time is an hour fifty-six and some change. Um, the like if it was hour thirty. And you're out. That's what I think more action movies should be. Get, get fast forward past the this is how we raise our children to be the ultimate perfect warrior. And it cuts to Leonidas playing around with the son, teaching him the proper ways to fight as a Spartan, as any good Spartan father would do to train him for the journey and the survival course he's going to have to go on when he turns seven. It's like going through survive, escape, resistance, and evasion school. For special forces at the age of seven, it's going to be good for him. And then it cuts to, I mean, you start with the shows the Persian Herald showing up at Spartan's gates, going asking for earth and water as a token submission to the King Xerxes. And of course, you get the epitomous speech that everybody knows from this movie, even if they've never seen this movie, of this is Sparta, and where he's like, you threaten my people with slavery and death, which, honestly, this is hilarious because Greek at this time was full of fucking slaves. Like, Spartan society ran on slaves. And that's putting it nicely. Like, yes, Spartan men fought, but everything else, the fields, the pottery, the coppers, the leatherworking, the husbandry, was all done by slaves. So, the men and Spartans could fight. So whenever he's like arguing against slavery, obviously there's a bit of like, uh, I don't think you're quite fully grasping the uh, circular logic you're using here yourself for it. 
we're talking about like the the opening scene, like fucking most memeable thing ever in two thousand fucking seven. This is Sparta. He's skipping uh, a well. Yeah, uh, but you know, this is where we start seeing a lot more of our characters. We see Gerard Butler, who I argue is one of the best action movie stars right now, and he does other things too. Hell, I didn't even realize he was. He is the Phantom and Phantom of the Opera. He's in a pretty good rom-com. I can't remember the name of it. That came out a little bit after this as well. Um, now, in one with Jennifer Aniston, I know. I think that's it. Uh, don't bring up Olympus has fallen to Vincent and Gerard Butler. <laughs> Wait, and Olympus is oh man, I've watched all three of those. I love two of them. One of them's <laughs> incredibly racist. He, he was just like, you've got to be fucking shitting me whenever she's getting drugged oh, away and she's singing the Pledge of Allegiance. Hey, he needs to watch the other ones too, man. Because they get, and there's they've signed on for three more. I mean, if we ever can get him in a room with us again, we'll make him watch them. Yeah. Uh, we see Theron is played by Dominic West. Palace Garden Episode 1, uh, Prince Charles and later seasons of The Crown. The Persian is played by Peter Mensa. Uh, if you like me, you would know him as Sergeant Brodsky from Jason X. Because you're one of two people who remember that movie, Matt. And there are a lot of people who remember that movie. You can be, I remember that movie. I mean, it's not scene. good, but... I remember that movie for one scene. Uh, what, the head? No, the, just, the sleeping bag when he beats the girls oh. to death with the sleeping bag. Oh, yeah, that's bag. right. You love, you love premarital sex? We love premarital sex. You want to drink some beer, smoke some weed? Um, he, but he was also most recently in the Snake Eyes movie. We see Queen Gorgo here. Lena Headey, who I think really shot the, put herself back on the map. Because I remember with her Game of Thrones role, uh, she returns in the sequel as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she, she's incredibly popular now. Like, have you ever seen Dread? Yeah, she played. Oh, what's her name? She played Mama or Mama. She played the lead villain in that movie. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name, but yes. Because uh, she, she had The Purge. Hell, I didn't even know she was in Fighting with My Family, which is about wrestling superstar Paige. Uh, Game of Thrones, which really propelled her. Yeah, and I think, which is interesting because I think. Of the people in this movie, of the actors and stuff, I think she probably does the most scene chewing with her acting. I think, she I think does. she, I think she does the best. I'm not gonna lie, I, I, I do. Theron, granted, it's probably part of the writing and him being in the movie as to be the foil in the movie. I think his acting is a bit um, comically villainous in that sense. It's a little too over the top. Man, and I'll, I'll say it now. Um, we didn't need the fucking Spartan politics at all. So, like, we didn't... I agree. We didn't need the... And there's some showing the city council and her, like, fast forward in the movie, her, you know, having sex with him to try and gain his vote. He wasn't having sex that. with it. Like, no, he raped her at that point. He essayed her. He did. They. It wasn't no consent there. Yeah. Like, I could have done without that. I do get yeah. the, the kind of moving into the next scene. I get why they put the the Oracle scene in here, because, I mean, that, that was necessary 
at the time for the religion. I get it adds a bit of that. And you see just how far the corruption has spread from the Persians as well, because you have the, they were called E4s, and just how disgusting they look. <laughs> just yeah, how- I mean, there was a really weird shot to me whenever he, you know, you got Leonidas, you got Gerard Butler, which, you know, big meaty man, cool, in his sandals, wearing his, his tights, and he's scaling this mountain, and I'm like, no, this dude's dead. This dude is absolutely dead. I will say that shot of him scaling the mountain with the temple, like, imposed in front of the moon, I think is a, a pretty awesome visual. Yeah, but there was, like, one scene where he, like, jumps. And I'm like, no, come on. No, come on. Like, the wire work was a little faulty that day. That's just a Mission Impossible moment. Yeah, and then we, we're at the Oracle, like, where they actually get some, get an Oracle, which is a, another girl, which, ooh, little pro like, again, might be a little, little take, when you're taking some liberties with histor- history, then um, yeah. obviously, you can Obviously, the actress is over the age of 18 for this scene. Yeah. But showing her at the time, probably at the time period, would have been between the ages of 14 and 18. But I'm just saying, like, at the time period, like, historically, they would have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, oh, I see, what you're, I see what you're saying. I'm just like. Uh, yeah, which we do. But, you know, you have the, what? What were these priests called? E4s. Okay, well, they're, you know, inbred bastards. Covered in boils. Covered in boils. Punchback. Fucking, which nice physical, practical makeup effects there. I will give them that. And speaking of effects in this scene, when she's doing her trance statement. Yeah. Is that, do you think, is that CGI? Do you think they kind of filmed her moving in water to kind of get her no, robe to do, look like that? He's underwater. The whole That's time, what, and then they removed like all this, like they digitally removed the water. Okay, I was wondering because the way it looked, I was like, "That's a pretty neat." I wonder how practical that was to get if it would have been just a we're CGIing this aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, like they they wake her up, you know, with some horny juice from the smoke or something. I I, I mean, she does her little dance, uh, and then she tells them again, and the, but this is also where we. Again, probably could have saved the reveal till later. Yeah. Um, again, about Theron. That they're corrupt. Because it also, yeah. even the aspect of the Oracle tells them and then they translate it for them, even they've already said previously, like, you need to wait till this moment mm-hmm. prior to even giving the Oracle. It automatically makes you go, they're going to be an untruthful person in the aspect of that. And, and this is where you see slow mo on the money, and I'm like, hey, "Man, I don't know who taught you, Zach. I don't know who taught you that shit, but you, you don't have to do it all the time." He might have to. He was trying to squeeze some more time out of the movie, maybe. He had to. Well, yeah, yeah. And then we get like one of my favorite scenes in the movie: the roll call whenever they're about to march off. Fuck no, the fucking Gerard oh. Butler and Lena Haiti get. I for I know I. I, I skipped over that aspect. <laughs> Matt, you just watch it. You just rewound that part a few extra times. Just, Man, just... well, first off, you get some meaty butler ass and uh, to compliment that big ass moon. And, and then Atlanta Haiti says like a great <laughs> fucking line here. Your lips can finish what your fingers started. But he turns it. He turns it down to talk. But they get to Man. it eventually. 
Yeah, no, eventually, yes, but there is two absolute truths in this fucking world. One, you don't turn down Lena Hetty. Two, you don't turn down Gerard Butler. No, you do your stuff and then you can talk. He was a king in anxiety and worry about his nation. Luckily, she knew she knew what he was doing, so she shut she said some words to shut him the fuck up so they can fuck. Yep. She did. And I love that me and you both that your lips can finish with your fingers are started line. Like I think we I had that in my notes too. Just <laughs> and that and, and I have seen this movie probably. I haven't seen it like 20, 30 times. I've probably seen it about 10 times. But it reminded me how much I actually like her in this movie, which I think kind of she loses a little bit of that in the sequel. Mm, I have not seen the sequel. <laughs> but after you get the, the joyous Gerard Butler, Lena Hanley sex scene, we move into he's decided he's going to get around the Oracle's decisions in this by just going with 300 men on a party on a walk to the beach they're yeah. just his escort like no we're not going to war totally like oh yeah we've never done anything like that in real life yeah never this is just a it's this like a, just a friendly military training exercise by the go by the border that's it that's all it if is something happens something happens the athenians are meeting us there it's a joint exercise as they're building up troops across on the other side. That's all it is. Nothing's going to happen, I promise. And, uh, but everybody knows it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and this is where we meet Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Like, I think his, he really steals the scenes for the lot from what he's in, comparatively. Yeah. Like, because obviously, like, he's not very focused on because the, the second captain for Leonidas, um, Artemis, the one with his that has his son in there. That like obviously he's much more kind of targeted in the movie and like shown in the movie, but I think Michael Fossbender does a much better job of kind of drawing attention to him than Artemis did. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is also like he's inspecting the troops, and Leonidas is like he he almost wants to turn away. Uh, what what are um his general son. Yeah, the one that's his son, um, Astinios. That's the. Is it Astinios or Astinos? Astinos. Astinos. But he's like, yeah. For the simple reason that you've never got laid. Yeah. He doesn't know the comfort of a woman. Yeah, you've never, you've never had sex, so no. And then, but you know, changes his mind. Artemis uh, says that there are more to carry on his lineage. He's not needed, necessarily needed. Which and it's here, rough. like here, I half expected, uh, you know, Leonidas to slap the shit out of his son whenever he's leaving, because everything so far has been about been fuck them kids mentality. Yeah, it's been a very detached father figure yeah or we're just like the very the tough dad don't show any kind of sympathy or softness to your kids and there that's conflicting theme that they try to have in this movie where they talk about like well it's here there's no room for weakness uh dilio says and but then you see weakness well 
in a way weakness. Um, yeah, and I think, and I, may, I don't mean like, yeah, you should be emotional, like, like later on whenever Astinos dies. Yeah, you should be emotional, but like the way, like he was also at the same time in the middle of a fucking war. Yeah, showing some weakness. Yeah, and I think they try. I think that's done from a storytelling perspective of they don't want to portray the Spartans as just complete, voided, like emotionally void people, because well, then they're not sympathetic in any sense. The better like, example would actually be Leonidas actually and yeah illustrate my point because a lot of times he does show weakness and then he kind of does like it's like you catch your it's that what was that moment of i've heard somebody explain it like you see these really like manly man man who never show emotion but they cry to like at just random parts of movies but that's the only time they feel it's available to be emotionally vulnerable instead of just mm-hmm. being themselves and so they, it's the only time they allow themselves to do it. And like this slight outpouring towards their kids occasionally is the only times they're allowed to do in society. It's like, I must beat you with an inch of your life so that you survive. But I want you to know that I still care for you while doing it. But they march and they have zero supplies, by the way. I mean, they they knew going in expecting a one-way trip. Yeah. They, uh, well, they, they knew that. They- Later, see Leonidas eating an apple. Only motherfucker with food. He's the king. He's got to be fed. Last man standing. I think one of the big things in this movie, they when they start marching, they they decide to do the hot gates, which is obviously pointed out early on. There's the go path to get behind them, but they choose the the hot gates because they can narrow the fight to where numbers are not as advantageous for the Persians as they would be in a traditional battlefield. And then you have that wonderful scene to where they meet the Athenians and they've come with like, what, a couple thousand people. And it's like, I brought more warriors to you. He's like, no, you didn't. What's your job? I'm a potter. What's your job? I'm a mason. What's your job? I'm a weather worker. So, yeah, Spartans, what's your job? Soldiers. And he's like, so I brought more soldiers than you. You know, that petty. So, yeah, meeting Daxos and the Spartan and the Arcadian army. At first, he's like, wait, that's it? And then he still joins. I'd have been like, like, maybe I need to not join? Uh, maybe it crossed my mind. Well, the- This is where you, like that chant, where they're chanting. This is where yeah. you hear that echo, like they're in a box. Yeah, and I think they probably wanted to keep that and not put them in a... Uh- they kind of want to count kind of like a marching cadence and not so much as a, we're putting them in as recording studio. Oh, I mean, they could have just taken them out, like gone outside and took a mic and recorded those sounds. And this is also where we see um, guy in, that's a hunchback. I, I, call, I, I put him as Quasimodo in my notes, but it's um, Ephiliates, the one whose parents fled Sparta to avoid him being sacrificed because he's deformed. Yeah, and this is where it like kind of dawned on me that 300 is just a marketing term because there is way more than 300 fucking people. But there's only 300 Spartans. No, there's 302. Sure. Okay, whatever. Because <laughs> if you want to get real it, technical. <laughs> I'll get, yeah, hell yeah, I'll get technical about this. It's just 302 doesn't quite have the ring as 300. But and, and it's also here that I realized that no one cast in this role, in these roles, 
is rem- remotely Greek. No one. No, I mean, no. Absolutely American not movies. a single I mean, person. we're just whitewashing anything because we're Americans. Yeah. This is a really good, another good visual with the dead bodies in the tree. Oh, that was a fantastic, the, the, the corpse tree is what I like, dubbed it. Was a great yeah. visual of like warning sign. I think they kind of, I think knowing Zack Snyder and how he does with his films, because he always send that like in the, all of his DC Superman movies, the Superman said, Superman is obviously portrayed as the Jesus character. I think he kind of does in all his movies where he has kind of like a religious kind of like, I'm going to put a little religious touch on here. I think it's kind of like he's trying to show an image to similar to like the crosses and Roman and like as like a warning sign. So I feel like that was a nice little touch. I personally, if I was Leonidas with Ethalities, I'd be like, yeah, join up. What's another, what's going to be another person there anyways? And one thing that I caught when he says, and you see it in the movie where it's obviously bullshit, is the reason they hold the shield is to protect the Spartan next to him. Yet you see maybe actual like 20 seconds of phalanx combat. That's not even accurate phalanx. Um, I know. It was intentionally done that way. But even when you see it then, like they don't hold the formation. They're just like, all right, it's time to be tally ho and just start chopping people up because I'm the best swordsman alive. But the body tree, the corpse tree reminded me that like it was like a twisted vert. Like um, the two of us went to Murray State University and there's a tree that couples go nail their shoes on. And I was like, that's what it made me think of is like it's just a twisted version of that. They're on their second one of those at Murray State, by the way. The first one's dead. It's been dead since like 2005. Yeah, I know. So they're on their second one, (laughs) and it's about to die too. Yeah, what happens when you put a bunch of metal in with nails to trees? So where are we at now? We're at the – so the Spartans are standing there at the gate. They've built up the wall. They get Mm -hmm. met. The – uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, but somebody shows up to the Spartans. One of the a general for the Spartans shows up and tells them to put down their weapons as they're building the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, the emissary. Yeah. Oh, you this, see, you that's where I said the politics stuff was boring because you already skipped that scene. What scene was that? Uh, Lena Hedy goes back to there and they're talking. I can't tell you what about. Oh, yeah, it's the, not the rapey guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, the other guy. But actually trying to bring the motion to send support forward. We haven't talked about, like, the first scene where they actually first see the Persians, right? Like, in all the ships? Yeah, because then you have that, no, we didn't, because I think it happens here. As they get there, then you have the quote of, it looks like rain, and you see all the Persian ships getting destroyed as it's raining. And then you have, obliterated. You have Delios as the narrator saying, all Spartans are overcome with joy and cheering as it happens, but one, and you see Leonidas there, stoic, <clears throat> as the leader of the Spartans just watching them go. And then that's when you get them, they're building the wall and they're using the corpses. Well, no, well, there's two good two good things about that scene that uh-huh. I really think is a highlight. Um, first, the guitar riff. Yeah. Like, man, it, it's like, Kind of like uh, the guitar riff from Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. And then, of course, that shot of him standing on the cliff, the rain falling. That was pretty good. 
That's all I want to say. Yeah. And I, I wonder, is that all actually like rain in the city or do you think they CGI'd that in? No, they probably use real, like real rain, like, or a rain machine. Yeah. I just had pouring down because that was a, a nice little shot. And then you have the emissary coming out there telling them to lay down your weapons. Yeah. And you will be a king of all over Greek. And they're like, no. And they show where they blocked off part of the cliff to where it would force them into the hot gates. And they use oh. the. Did you catch this pretty badass line from Fastbender? What? Um, so they were like, if you don't fucking put your weapons down and kneel, your our arrows will black out the sun. And he and then we'll fight in the shade. And yeah, and then Fastbender's like, cool, man. We'll just fight in the shade. Like, fuck it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Which actually comes later. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that comes back in this movie that I think that pays off really well. Like one word, like one sentence is that show off later. But they do their uh, they do that scene where they're building the wall and they're using the corpses of the persons that died and the shipwrecks as the mortar to hold them together. And so then we actually get into what we came to see this movie for. Yeah, fucking battles. If we do, which if anything, I think these are badass fight scenes all throughout the movie. I, I think it could have done. This is why I'm like the balance of battle to fucking politics is bad because some of these battles were very short. They showed like just the rhino getting that like later. That was pretty much it. Uh, did you see the time that it like where we get, where the first battle started? Forty five minutes in. Forty five minutes exact, like almost on the dot. And yeah. I'm like, come on, we could have, tw- 25 minutes ago, we could have been starting this shit. Could have people dying already. Yeah. But- and I, I do like, like we've said said a couple of times, this was all done on a soundstage. Yes. And I do like that for this movie, as uh-huh. opposed to, best example, what, Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Like Helm's Deep. Yeah. Some of that was on a soundstage, but like some of those battles were, you know, because they had so many extras, they did outdoors. So the the fight starts, you know, they do, of course, they show the flags because they talked about it. And then immediately after like 30 seconds, the flakes falls apart, which I find, I, I get why they did it, because nobody's going to sit there and watch a, a phalanx fight for an hour. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Oh, what? So they, a phalanx fighting for an hour, them just standing there oh. stabbing with their spears. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I've got in my, I'm like, why didn't they just they they winning they are winning at this point and then they go run out they move up into the open and i'm like hey, but at the same time the purchase they just keep running to them yeah and they're just the best sword fighting ever just cutting everybody in half and chopping them down and this, and this is like kind of contradictory because leonidas is like how great they are about defending themselves and then he breaks off and gets stabby with a spear and it's like no dude we're trying to win. Like, well, like who you show button for, Leonidas? Damn, a movie? He's, he's waiting from the front. I did put my notes. The flank lasted a whole 30 seconds before they go all solo bolo. Whenever they, so I, I think it was Leonidas, he, he said they look thirsty and they just start pushing, pushing them to the them, cliff. Just pushing them fucking, like, just kicking everything. Like, Leonidas loves kicking shit off cliffs. He does. And that's where you get the shot from, too. I think the uh, the po- the movie poster shot with them being pushed off the cliff. Yeah, you have a bunch of Persians falling off. Yeah. And, but this is another part like where I'm like, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing, Leo? Leo, what are you doing? 
you have whenever you kill other soldiers you have a couple of things primarily their supplies and horses they gave they didn't up because the, the whole they should was the well this will actually come into play later like they should have kept a couple horses but yeah. go ahead go ahead they should no they should have and i was just going to say that it's still building into that they're holding them at the choke point aspect of it and then you have the there's so many cheesy lines in this movie and this part and now you get into i think this scene is where you get into kind of think where the movie finds its rhythm of like you have a battle scene then you have a little politics scene then you have a battle scene then a little bit of politics scene you know and while the battles aren't necessarily overall detail where we need to go into depth to talk about them they do actually last for a bit of time which is good in some parts of them and i like that as these fights are going on you're also getting uh delios talking about the immortals they're bringing in their beasts from all corners of the earth where you see the rhinos or the elephants which were the tanks of the the ancient world rolling up and play you know they're all obviously Spartans are using their military tactics and advantages to win out on them against this. I did laugh out loud for like five minutes for a good bit. Whenever, after the first couple of battle scenes, you have the next person coming up there before they break out the immortals, I think it was. And there's like, you need to lay down your weapons. You'll be a king, Leonidas. And as they're making sure all the Persians that have died are dead or were wounded, and he's like, there's no reason we can't be civil about this as he stabs one of the Persians that's on the ground. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you skipped it. Again, this is why those politics scenes aren't important because you skipped another scene with Lena I, I mean, it's, it, but it, I mean, it's just nothing's memorable other than it's Lena Hetty. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, like the, the, fuck what she's saying. It's Lena Hetty. The only political scenes that stick out in my mind when I think of this movie. The only ones that show up in my mind when I think about it is the rain scene where she's raped and when Theron is killed. That's the only two scenes that I remember when I think of the political aspects of this movie, which I yeah. think those are only um, a couple of good ones. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, we're this is where we meet Xerxes for the first time. By the yeah. way, them, them bodies are stinky as shit. Oh, yeah. And the God King, who is not a very pretty dude, See, I was laughing at another, whenever he's like, I'm going to go meet Xerxes. He's like, I'm going to go meet Xerxes. And they're like, wait, holy shit. Wait, no, you're, you be by yourself. He's like, he's not that stupid. And then he was like, while he's eating an apple again, the only time like any, like got food. Uh, He just, he's like got a mouthful and talking about being civil. And I'm just laughing about that. Yeah. The juxtapositions in this movie are hilarious, which I think for them, a Spartan being civil, it's just war is war. There's no, it's civil when it's done properly kind of aspects behind it in the fight scenes and seeing these actions. I think on how some of the, cause they they use some of the wires. They use some actual practical stunts in the CGI screen, didn't they? Cause some of the way the bodies move, like they'd get hit and they take a weird, like physics move. Like they'd get hit in the front and go to the left. Well, that'd be probably wire work. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes the wire work didn't fully line up with the way the shot was shot. Mm-hmm. That's, I think for me, the only thing that kind of really stuck out in the in the scene as I watched it. Okay, yeah, and so we're we're at their mortals, right? Yeah, where they come out and they start fighting, and then yeah, and 
I do like that most of the Persians are faceless. Yeah, to remove like, some they're... aspects of humanity. Yeah, that's really good. Um, again, like change tactics, but uh, they get a monster released on them here. And it's pretty cool that, again, like some of the things that happen pay off later because it's the monster's fault he died. He broke the spearhead off, and that's what killed him. Killed Leonidas? No, Leonidas isn't dead yeah. yet. No, whenever Leonidas finds the monster, yeah. breaks the spearhead off, it's laying on the ground. Uh-huh. And then he's on top of him, and Leonidas is able to grab that spearhead. And, and shove it through his head, yeah. Yes. So instead of just, like, throwing the spear away, he caused his own death. And I, I kind of like things like that. Just where it's like, oh, you fucked up, silly guy. Yeah, and this is where you're, like, guess they're wanting to show how weak the Arcadians are. But and Faramir is just like, ah, these weak bastards. And they're just kind of there. They don't really do a lot. I will say that the action scenes do show Zack Snyder at his best. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Like, if you want to do a movie, if you get two directors, one director doing the story and then one director doing action, and just have Zack Snyder cut all the action scenes, you'll be good. The Immortals, you get what I think is one of the grossest scenes in that movie. <laughs> the tent scene with the... uh Oh, we haven't got to the tent scene yet. So that's after Immortals fight, because isn't it? Because Xerxes, the Immortals, the day ends technically. And then the second day starts, and you get more ways of them. And it's showing more ways the Fartons kind of overcome them. And then it cuts to if Alti's defecting to Xerxes, and he's just like, I yeah. want it all as you have all the whores, and you have that really creepy dude with the goat head on his head. No, that's a goat. Fucking swear to God, it's not goat boy. It's goat. It is an actual goat. And I'm actually pulling this up just so I can see. I took it some dude was just wearing a goat head. Not as if it's an actual goat head. Maybe it is. And you're probably right. Nah, you're right. But that or it's like a centaur, but good for goats. Yeah. Yeah, this is is a pretty neat scene. Like, uh, oh, oh, Hunchback of Notre Dame is like, yeah, fuck, you're going to, wait, you're going to do what? You're going to let, you're, you're going to get me laid, and at the same time? And money and everything? A uniform? Oh, my God. And that was, like, the weirdest, like, because he just has that need to be wanted. I mean, it's such a sad scene, because also, he was wanted by his parents so much, because they even defected from society, from their society to have him. And then he's like, I just want to be wanted by Leonidas. I'm going to show him my worth as I backstab him. And that really fucked up counter logic aspect of things. There is a great riff. Another, like, two times that they did guitar riffs, they were really good. I, I think they should have put more of that type of music into here. Yeah. I mean, just fits the vibe. But they should have used something like Drowning Pool, like By the Blood. Mm, that would have been neat. But I think... I like that they kept it all orchestral. They didn't really deal, delve too much into outside music for it. Or right, oh, fuck it. Do Smoke on the Water. Play that riff. Eyes <laughs> are in the, the tent scene. Yes. That's a pretty cool shot of killing the rhino. Again, there's a couple times where they're doing like some flashy ass pose. Like after the bat, like when they start throwing the bombs. Then you see like a pretty cool, like cool practical, I'm assuming practical effect with the. Excuse me, with the the big dude uh, who's got blades for hands. Oh yeah, where he's cutting off heads when they and then they go to the elephants. Uh huh. 
And the, that was a funny fucking scene to me because you just seeing an elephant will fall off the edge. It's not just falling off the edge. Did you not see how the elephant fell? Because it was trying to, like a mouse, like you would envision it trying to scare away from a mouse. No, it smacks its head right on that fucking cliff. And I'm just like, what? The? Like they, they aimed like intentionally one, the CG for the elephant to hit the head, hit its head. And then fall, then they show it falling into the ocean. If this was, had not been just CGI blood, like these dudes would have been caked in blood. Like, oh, yeah, movie. definitely. So, <laughs> from like the first minute of the actual fighting. So, it's, it, I, I just have to assume it was a cinematography choice just because so they can show the abs and show the ass. Yeah. Show the cods, show, show Gerard Butler. In their last day of fighting, when they get betrayed, you also see where Artemis's son is killed. I believe this. See, is he's him. he's bel- he's killed right after the elephants. Yeah. So and this yeah this is was Art. Well, when he died, when the kid dies, and they have to pull the father grieving away from him. Oh, this is what I thought was funny, and I think they probably messed up here on choreography. Because he walks off and starts fighting. And it's a damn good minute before the rest are like, oh, shit, maybe we should help him out. Yeah. And because if you see, look in the background, a lot of the team is just chilling. back, And it's like, oh, shit, yeah, well, let's go help. I mean, but I ain't opposed to going to chill with Xerxes in that orgy, orgy tent. It's a pretty good place. What would you sell at your country for it? Motherfucker, he, he got fucking excommunicated from his country. Yeah. They go, go the fuck away. You ain't helping. Xerxes gives him the power of sex, and this dude asks for a uniform. I'm just like, that's that's a very steep price. And this is where we get to that real cringe. Well, might not have been cringe in 2008, but it's cringe now. Yes, with four years, 14 like years that. later. Yeah, Atlanta getting essayed. He's like, oh, I make all the decisions. You don't make shit, and then uses his power mm-hmm. over action here right just it's like before the climax so uh, the betrayal happens right before the the cringe scene is when we find out about the trail and then the arcadians leave and yeah. they and delios is injured and king leonidas sends him back to tell the story here of victory of us fighting to the last man or achieving a true spartan death and he sends back you know you see the little he had there's a call back back to the beginning of the movie because the lion, the panther that he killed, he took the tooth from it and gave it to Queen Gorgo. Queen Gorgo's scene when he leaves, giving that necklace to him. And then he gives yeah. Delios that necklace back. And he's like, is there anything you would tell her? He's like, nothing that the words need to be said. Yeah, and he sends off Delios and to go tell the council. And this is where they should have... This is where I go back to my earlier statement about keeping the damn horses. He could have got there so much fucking quicker. Just rips yeah. off his hair like it's nothing. And I'm like, man, you pull my hair like that, I'm probably going to be, like, even my, if I pull my own hair out, that'd be... And I guess this is where we get the final politics scene. Like, big one. The final big one. Yes. We don't, need, which, we don't need no big Lena Haiti speech. Nope. And when she's there, she says, fight for him and more words. And then Theron's like, no, we're not. And which she then stabs him and then you see the... He was working for the Persians anyways, because look at all this gold he had for the Persians. At yeah. which point, the Spartan council is like, oh, I guess we need to send five people to fight now. 
And had this movie been like about what's going on there as not really as much about Leonidas might have been better. Like if that was the focus of the movie, but everybody paid to go see, you know, 300 men go kick ass. 300 hard bodied men. Yeah. Uh, it just comes off filler is not unnecessary. But after the slut shaming that she goes through in this fucking scene, goddamn. Yeah. Like, I think we talked about in our previous episode the fucking slut shaming from that movie. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You, I, I love action movies, but you see that a lot. Yeah, I can name off several off the top of my head, but yeah, uh, thank God she stabs the fuck out of him. She's just I know. Like, I ain't having your shit anymore. I was so glad when he died. He's such a fucking chump. And I, I thought it was weird. Like, why, why are these guards, you know, holding her back? She the yeah. queen. And I thought it was weird that he was packing the gold with him. I guess he just wouldn't have it at all times. Like, dude, no, put it, put it away. Put it, put it where they can't get to it. But, but then uh, you wouldn't have the wonderful scene of him being stabbed and it falling out and showing that he's a true slimeless bastard. And so it cuts to, I think it cuts to Gerard Butler or King of the Nice here giving a speech about the last fight they're going to have. And you see like the flame is imposed in front of him where you're seeing it lie up his features. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing this scene gave me very Ken Watanabe vibes. Like you see him give that speech in all the movies he's in. Is like, but they prepare the last battle. And so they meet there at the beginning. Leonidas bows before Xerxes. Was it Stelios? Stelios that runs up and kills the general to give Leonidas a free shot at Xerxes. Mm-hmm. And he throws the spear and barely misses him, at which point Leonidas should not have gone Infinity War and aimed for the head and aimed center mass. Yes, he, he, you, you, take, you take a shot at the king, you best not miss. And that's the lesson learned here. They missed uh, and they went down in a hail of arrows. Like, yeah. And this is where I'm like, man, you building up to this could have made it better. It was short, in my opinion. I think it was really like it, it kind of like just ended. Yeah, because after yeah. that happens, it cuts back to uh Dulios giving a speech to the 10,000, the 30,000 Greeks, the 10,000 Spartans. And they mentioned Greece as a concept, as a country at this time, which is not actually a thing. They're very much a loose. Oh. Well, this is before nation states, right? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it pretty much is. I mean, you don't really have a unified Greece until Alexander and Macedonia until the first. Yeah. Until Alexander's dad. So it's much, or I think that's Philip II as Alexander's dad. Don't hate me. Um but the concept of it, there's like obviously a Greek culture because they all have the same shared gods and everything, but they're very much nation states in the sense of like city states of like Athens is its own state, Sparta is its own state, Macedonia is its own state, and th- up until this time. So it's kind of interesting to tell that story. And I think this is where you start to like the concept of Greece as a nation is formed is the aftermath of the Persian Wars in Macedonia conquering all of you know, Greek, and then it leads into credits here. Which, well, um, about the speech though, like, yeah, he's giving up a speech, he's still like still narrating, like, and it reminded me of you. You haven't watched many episodes of The Simpsons, I'm aware, right? I've watched a fraction of what you've watched. Okay, I mean, well, the hell, there's 36 seasons. Uh, in the first season, there's an episode, or maybe second season, 
first season. Other uh, bards explaining why he chopped off the head of the Jebediah statue. And the crowd- I remember that episode. Okay, so you remember at the end, whenever they the crowd's upset because he's still narrating to the point that they already know. Like we know they're like all chanting, we know this, we're here. Yeah. And that's what it sounded like to me. Just a little too overwrought. And then you know, he's narrating and they didn't notice like somehow 20,000 fucking people heard every word he said. And he wasn't doing the amphitheater or something like that. And no, the- he's just standing in front of a crowd and like the back the ones in the back are like, yeah, yeah we hear like, oh shit. Yeah. We hear you. Yay. Hoorah. What you, so historically what have happened in that situation, you would have had him say it to a smaller group of people and you would have people writing it as well. And then they would have spread out and said it to their groups. And that's how the message yeah. would have spread. So, yeah, it's definitely not very historically accurate in that sense on that one. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, had to get that, like, simultaneous, raise the spears, let's go to battle. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, like the stylized credits before, like, that, like you know, like how you get to see, like, before the, where you would get, like, a stinger scene in Marvel yeah. movies. Which I think this is one of the first movies that really started doing the style that did the stylized credits like that, isn't it? Didn't Daredevil do it? It's been forever since I've seen Ben Affleck Daredevil. I don't think Blade movies did it. The, no. the X Men movies did not do that. Yeah, so this is one of the first ones. It might have been the first prominent one. Let me say that it might have happened in like some like directed DVD at the time. Yeah, and of course, seven years later we get a sequel that I've again I still haven't seen. Because, Maybe we can fit it in sometime. And you make me watch that fucking movie, and we're gonna. Mm. Hey, it's more Lena Headley. I don't. Lena Headley. I mean, okay. And it happens on ships. Oh, y'all don't want to hear my opinion on Game of Thrones. So I mean, <laughs> um. So uh, and that, as bad as I don't like, and did you ever see the parody of this fucking thing? I might have. Meet the Spartans. I might have. Those. Of course, those late 2000s, mid to late 2000s, like comedy spoof movies. Man, that's, yeah. Those are all made by the same two dudes. Really? From like Scary Movie 1 all the way to, what was the? They did Disaster Movie, Superhero Movie, this. Like, it's just obnoxious, like, shitty parody. And I watched a couple of the scenes. I didn't watch the fucking movie. I wasn't doing that. And, ooh. Oof. It's so bad. It's, bad. it's bad. Like so, you're talking about 2007. So of course they're gonna make fun of like Paris Hilton and they're gonna make fun of Britney Spears. Which is that's a Britney's is cool, Britney's free. Go yeah. Britney. So like and they're it's just no, it there's it didn't hold up in 2007. It wasn't gonna ever hold up in two no the, and, and those spoof movies, I think of outside of like space balls are very well dated well when it comes to like airplane yeah the, that's made by Zuck, um what the hell's his name but you know jim abrams uh david and jerry zucker they know they knew parody back then in the early 80s that you're talking about spaceball so you're talking about mel brooks mel brooks yeah, yeah. knows what the fuck he's doing he does um but you know, naked guns. There was a lot of parodies there of uh, hot shots. Your second time watching it. 
Yeah, uh, it's gonna be my my. Uh, I'm not gonna get hit the hat trick on this man. You're not. No. So uh, y'all, first off, like I always, like I've said, I think I said last time, I'll say pretty much every time, like what you like. I didn't like this whatsoever. There's some good parts. As a movie, though, it sucked to me. The slow mo. There was slow mo over coins. There was slow mo just coming into town at the beginning. There was slow mo fighting. There was slow mo everything. Some of the, the slow mo is cool. Um, uh-huh. Some of it though, it was just a just not needed. Um, yeah. The whole scene, like I mean, I'm I'm sure they did it to give Lena Headey some more screen time because as I was reading, like she wasn't even really in the comic. Like Theron was added to the movie. Yeah, so this was clearly just, and it helped pad runtime. Yeah, it wasn't needed. If you remove the political bits, the movie would probably have been down to hour twenty five actual runtime before credits. Well, then you can just extend the fighting scenes. Yeah. Oh no, more fighting scenes in a movie about fighting. What shall yeah. we do? Well, yeah, it, yeah, definitely. It's not a recommend for me. I enjoyed the movie. It's a good turn brain off and just watch move for me and so i'm gonna give this a thumbs up myself personally i i enjoy it i'm i'm good with these movies that a lot of that are just kind of you know there that exist like they're not great but they're not bad i don't feel like i wasted time with it and i am perfectly happy watching this movie again we'll probably do about four to five years down the line i mean do you watch a lot of these like period pieces of like 300 like set in like ancient greece like Troy, Hercules, or Wrath of I haven't, Man. I haven't seen the Rock Hercules, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, f- fuck that movie. Disney. Yeah, Disney movie. Yeah, like, Only yeah, Hercules like I've seen my heart. Gladiator. Um, I watched Rome a couple months ago, like the, the HBO show. Like, the period piece stuff doesn't bother me. Did you ever watch Spartacus? No. In fact, I need to because Dr. Irvin at Murray State was one of the historical consulting directors on it. I just recently, well, it's not set in the same time or place, but I just watched The the Last Duel and it was okay. Yeah. Uh, Troy. Troy is a fun movie. Gods of Egypt. I like that movie. A lot of people hated that movie, but you know what? It was a movie I was perfectly happy with. I didn't go in expecting Oscar winning award. Um but also, I'm a dude that can sit down and watch G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra and have fun watching it. I guess you, I mean, showing that you like Gerard Butler. Yeah. Because he's in that. And God, Gods of Egypt. Yep. And so is uh, Jamie Lannister. Instead of Lena Haley, they got uh, Nikolai Waldar. Oh, Nikolai Koster Waldo. I did have a couple overall questions I want to ask you about the movie, though. All right. Go ahead. About 300. So. Since this new movie is told from a narrative standpoint, as Delio's telling it, do you perceive him being as a truthful narrator? No, he's not. He's absolutely not. Okay. So how can we know that what he's telling is even remotely true? How do we know that even this movie, like, they're just not getting ran over like a bunch of bitches and just, like, dying? <laughs> Instead, it's... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean... Part of what he's saying is the truth because, is I mean, I glanced over the plot to 302, part two. Yeah. And he's not narrating that movie. So there is some, 
he is telling some elements of truth. And, but I think a lot of it is yeah. if I was there in the universe listening to him, I'd be like, yeah, he's embellishing some of this shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. And which 300 Rising Empire, I've seen it. I actually, is all right. I didn't hate it. Um, it's Man, interesting. When I, saw, when I saw it, like the trailer, uh-huh. I'll be like, I was like, oh, it's 300, but blue. Um, it's 300, but on ships. If I remember correctly, like that movie takes place a lot more on ships and fighting ship I, to ship. I'm okay. I'm so okay. If we return to it, God damn it, but okay. Maybe. We still got quite a bit of time to go. Yeah. That. Um, my other question I had, did you think watching this movie even needed a sequel? Was there a reason for 300 to have a sequel? Money. That was why. Yeah, what I mean. Based on, like, again, I skipped, when I skimmed over the wiki on part two, um, I did see that it was, like, Zack Snyder wanted to, like, he was an executive producer on that one, not a director. Um, wanted to make, like, a whole universe of this, of the Persian War, pretty much. Which I'm not going to lie, if he would have made a whole universe, I would have watched it. I would have been there for it. Um I mean, but he, I mean, this, like, this was a movie that introduced some, a lot of dude bros to fucking Zack Snyder. And now we have to deal with them every day on Twitter. (laughs) You really hate, you really hate that for this? Yes. Man of Steel would have probably done the same thing. Watchmen did it. Well, I don't think with this movie, I don't think it gets Watchmen without this movie. I believe it. You got anything else you want to say more about 300? I always recommend, like, when, again, I say I don't recommend it. Uh, I always do recommend when people at least trying to watch a movie once. Uh-huh. Try. If you can't get through it, don't. Like, fuck Dumb and Dumber 2. Fuck that <laughs> wretched ass movie. Are you talking Dumb and Dumber or Dumb and Dumber 2? No, Dumb and Dumber 2. T O. That fucking piece of shit. But the next movie, ooh, do you do you like John Wick? Yep. Do you like Better Call Saul? Never seen it. Have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Yes, I've never sat down and watched it entirely, though. Do you like Mr. Show with Bob and David? I don't even know what that is. So if you like John Wick, you, you'll probably like this. I've been Matt Thomas. Bye-bye. Bye, Bonds. Get the like button. We like money. All right, have a a good time. See you next week.